Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and very excited to have with me today Fritzy Horseman, who is the, and I just said it, and then I have to look again, founder and executive director of Compassion Prison Project. So welcome, Fritzy. Thank you so much, Terry. So excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, I, and we talked for just a second before I hit record about the impact of a video on your website. Um, it's truly on my soul. I mean, my heart and my soul. Um, so, so explain to listeners what it is you do. Uh, our mission is to transform prisons and communities with compassionate action. Um, our focus is on childhood trauma and what the impacts of trauma are on the brain, body, and spirit. And when I say prisons, I mean the incarcerated, but also the correctional officers, because I believe, um, Trauma, uh, prisons are like a, a trigger center where everybody in there is traumatized and one person triggers one and then they react and it's a cycle. And, um, and like all violent cycles, we need to interrupt this. Um, the prison to the school, the prison pipeline, that's a, that's a violent cycle. And the, the trigger cycle in the prisons is something I'm, that's my mission, which is to transform prisons in three years to be all trauma informed. I want all prisons to be trauma informed. That's the vision. Yeah, I, I have this vision of like the whole world being a trauma informed community from small communities such as prisons. I think the video was it like prison yard. Um, I had gone to the YouTube channel and watched it. Yes, and so from the small communities to the larger communities, um, I think as we as we start to understand more the impact of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, on uh, our lives, um, yeah, we can start to take a step back and ask that question, like you just said before we hit record. Instead of what's wrong with you, but what happened to you? Exactly, and um, with ACEs. Just so you know, um, I've been doing some research about the incarcerated population and their, their adverse childhood experiences. And what I found out is that in America, 60% have one or more ACE. In prisons, it's 98% in, in the surveys I've done. Yeah. In America, 12.5 have four or more ACEs. In prisons, right now my surveys are showing 75% have four or more ACEs. And when you get to that level of adverse childhood experiences, your life basically is, is, is unmanageable. You're, you have, you go into, you're living in fight or flight basically. So what does that do? You know, your immune system is shot and um, you're just, I mean, 
you're trying to figure out a way just to calm yourself and it doesn't happen. I have seven aces. Yeah. So I've lived with anxiety all my life. Like, and, um, and you know, my sister also, we're all both trying to find ways to heal and to survive. And, but this is not, this is not just, you know, this is not a white person's problem. This isn't a black person's problem. This is a universal problem, as you know. And um, one of the things we're doing right now, um, we're going to bring, we're doing trauma circles on Zoom now. And um, instead of stepping inside the circle, we raise our hand to show how many ACEs we've had. And we're bringing, we're bringing, we're doing a pilot to a community in Canada. And I'm really excited to see how it transforms. This community has got had suicides almost every day now. Oh. And um, one of our employees is, um, she's like, we got to help this community. So we're doing, we're doing trauma awareness in this small town. And that's, that's the vision. While we're in COVID, we can bring awareness to every town in the United States. And so for your listeners, if you have a, if you have a, a community that needs some ACE awareness, we're happy to bring the circles to your community. So that's one of the, the things we're making available to everybody. It's so exciting. Yeah, very exciting. And I love that idea. I think there are some blessings to be found in COVID. Yes, the isolation is horrific. And, you know, there's just, there's so much being triggered by it. Uh, with people who didn't even realize they had adverse childhood experiences. Um, but there's also blessings to be found in, in the work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Yes. And one of the things that COVID kind of sh brought a light to was dying alone. Um, a lot of people are in hospitals dying alone. And if you look at the prison population, they're, separated from their families. They are not able to be with their loved ones when they die. And when they're in prison, they're also dying alone. So the deep sadness that families are starting to feel in our society, in the, you know, non-prison society, this is some of the deep sadness that I want to bring the awareness about, about the people who live in prison. It's a deep sadness. And, um, um, that's where the humanity starts to to, to emerge is right. you know these are humans in there and they made a really horrific mistake for the most part and yet they're humans and that's and that's what i want to um shine a light on also is uh, the correctional officers they're also humans they're not machines they're not you know they're trained to be um you know vigilant and it's destroying it's destroying them you know, PTSD, trauma, and stress on that job is just, you know, off the charts. So the Compassion Prison Project wants to bring compassion to both sides of the bars is, is really, and trauma-informed prisons, imagine that when instead of, instead of saying, like we said, what's wrong with you, what happened to you, and realizing that when you, you're getting feces thrown on you, this is not... Uh, an act of defiance. This is an act of help. This is a call for help. And as we bring the stress level down, these incidences are going to come down. And that's my vision so that the men and women who work there can come home healthy and, and have meaningful lives. The, 
the life expectancy of a correctional officer is 59 years. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, and that, that kind of equals the, you know, in, in ACEs, you have six or more ACEs, your life expectancy drops by 20 years. Both my parents died. My mother died at 69. My father died at 61. And so both of them high ACEs and that's what, that's, that's untreated ACEs. It's, you know, it's, this is a warning for your listeners is if we don't treat the ACEs, if we stay in the state of uh, perpetual anxiety and stress and depression, yes. you know, our life expectancy goes down and we won't go to our, our daughter's, you know, our daughter's wedding. We won't see our grandchildren. And that's, this kind of awareness is really urgent. It, the comorbidity, you know, you want to talk about the comorbidity of COVID? I'm just going to call it and say it's trauma. Yep, that's trauma because when you have that much toxic stress in your body, all those chemicals, the adrenaline and the cortisol, your immune system just is shot. So you add an, an, a virus that nobody knows about, that the body hasn't ever seen. Right. There's no chance. There's no chance. You can't fight it off. You have to have, you have, to have a vibrant immune system. And that's why we got to bring it all down, bring the stress level down. Yeah. I mean, I'm a workaholic and that's, that's so I don't have to feel yes. Right. But those are, you know, us trauma people, we live in our heads and, you know, just this thought of just bringing it down to like a, a different level, like a calm level. Um, one of my next interviews, I'm, I'm doing a podcast too. And one of my interviews is with a woman named Betsy Politan, and she's going to teach the incarcerated men and women how to just move, you know, feel your hands as you move, you know, just do some simple somatic exercises, which I didn't even know about somatics until I walked into prison. I didn't know. I'm on the journey to heal myself. I think we all are. I think that's what you're doing as well, right? Yes. Yeah. And so that's what was one of the things I was going to bring up, like tapping is one of the things I've utilized. I have this huge toolbox that I have filled now with Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing and um, tapping and mindfulness and just this huge, wonderful collection. I did EMDR therapy for four years. and But yes, yeah, so or tapping, is are, are those things, so you try to bring things in uh, um, as healing resources then? Exactly. And we're, we're developing an, a, a whole video series called The Healing Path. We, we were calling it the toolbox, um, but it's interesting you said Ho'oponopono because that is one of the things we did that day when we filmed the circle. We, we did three, three different exercises. One was the compassion trauma circle, which is the ACE circle. The next was reading out the symptoms of trauma and going around the circle so people could tell them, tell everyone what symptom of trauma really affected them, like hypervigilance or inability to love. Yeah, I saw that in that video, which again, just such a powerful video. If everybody gets a chance to go check that out, please do. But when they were passing the microphone and talking about... That was in Honor Yard. So there's two videos. There's Step Inside the Circle, which is the Compassion Trauma Circle. And the next video um, is Honor Yard. And the third one, when we get to it, is is called Forgiveness, um, where they go around and they forgive themselves. They forgive they forgive their parents or their caregivers who traumatize them and and they ask for forgiveness for the wrongs that they've committed which you know being a human i think we all are guilty of some wrongs and uh and it's in that it's in that realization that we're no one's perfect and to expect 
you know, these men and women who are so traumatized to have been perfect and then to have committed a crime. And this is the piece that I really want people to understand. When the prefrontal cortex goes offline, which is what happens when you're in a stressful situation, I'm sure your audience knows, but there is no morality. There is, they, people say these may, people made a choice. They have to pay for their crime. But when your prefrontal cortex goes offline, there is not a, there is not a, an executive function happening. And, you know, liken it to road rage. If you've ever had that moment when you just want to kill the person who's in front of you, who just cut you off. I mean, I don't even know who I am in that moment. I don't even, I couldn't say that I'm Fritzy Horseman in that moment. All I can know is that person is threatening my life and my amygdala is on fire and cortisol and adrenaline are running through my veins and there is no thinking going on. That, that is not a, necess- a necessary function. The hippocampus shuts it down. Like your digestive, those, those, some, those functions stop running when you're traumatized, when you're triggered. So, you know, this is, this is science and this is, needs to be, be like a known fact. Everybody knows fight, flight, or freeze, but nobody knows prefrontal cortex and amygdala and what happens there. And that's the piece that we really, I'm, I'm just going to talk about it until everybody understands it. Um, That's it. It's, it's very, very simple. And so we, we look at these men and women who commit horrendous crimes, you know, that they annihilate and they traumatize the victims, the families or the people that survive. And we want justice. And I agree. And yet justice is in seeing the whole, the whole picture that these people that committed these crimes were victims too. And when you're a victim and, you know, ask Ask these poor people that have experienced a crime, uh, are victims. What happens to your body? What happens to your responses in the world? You're a whole nother person suddenly. You're not that little, little innocent person that thinks the world is magical. The magic is, is, has been blocked off because now you're afraid for your life at all, at all yeah. instances, right? Yeah. You told me your story and... And I feel so much for you. And, you know, we, we narrow our vision about crimes that are committed. And instead of putting in the bigger picture, like if you had had a chance to meet the person who committed the crime and you heard his sadness, wouldn't you want him to be rehabilitated? Wouldn't you want him to be treated with kindness so he can heal? I mean, yes. Yeah, I think that's what happened in that moment when when the prison called me and told me that he had died in prison. And I, you know, again, I fell to my knees, I sobbed, I cried, I wrote about it on Facebook, and I just had this this weight lift from me. But it was it was yes, it was a relief for me, but it was just an overwhelming sadness for him um, and a connection with him that really happened in that moment because I thought. and I told you again before I hit record, I thought to myself, what did he go through? What did he, what was his trauma in his life? Um, I was just early on in my trauma recovery. Um, So I was still a mess to having panic attacks and trying to figure out how to get through this. And 
Yeah, I think we almost had a bonding moment in his death um, and realizing that he had been through, I'm sure, horrific childhood. Horrific. I, I can guarantee you, because yeah. anyone who commits a crime, they're traumatized. I mean, I would say 98% are traumatized. Right. Um, but I would also say that they don't have hope. And to get to a place of of criminality, you you have all your options have been shut down. There are no more options, and or there are options, but you can't see them, and and so it's really and remember that resilience the the key factor to resilience is that one person who can see you, who can say, "Hey, look at you. You're something else." And you know, when I walked into prison, that's what I said to them. I said, hey, you're something else. Now show me. Show me what you got. And that's what they wanted to do. And we just wrote, we're right, we're still working on this book called Invincible Minds. And they're writing about their trauma and they're writing about the stories of their childhood. One one man said, I thought violence was normal. I thought that what you did was you beat you would beat up your mother. I thought that's what that's what you're supposed to do. So, you know, it's a different kind of indoctrination. But when you resort to violence, when violence is your only option, um, you know, you can't really blame crime as being the thing that they do. I mean, right. you know, just on, a, on an intellectual level anyway. It's just that we need, my, my vision is to bring, let all communities know what trauma is doing. And one of the sayings I have is it stops with me. I have a 14-year-old, um, you know, he was in my body when I was, you know, filled with anxiety. I've been doing some healing modalities and it's coming down, including reading this book called The Presence Process. I don't know if you've read this. I haven't. Oh my gosh, by Michael Brown. Gabor Mate recommended it. And I'm I'm in my seventh week, but I'm actually starting to feel again. And living in the society that's completely numb, I mean, it's kind of an anomaly to be feeling what I'm feeling. So I highly recommend that on your healing journey. Uh, all you have to do is breathe in the morning and breathe at night, 15 minutes each time. And But you have to read the whole book. You can't just yes, skip. Yes, I will. I will for sure. Don't skip to the, just don't skip to, to the <laughs> okay. breathing. You got to, he's really adamant about that. And I agree with him. It's a process. It's, yeah. we got it, you know, trauma is a pro, was a process that, that came on. So we got to, you know, it's like, we got to, undo the process of trauma. We're un, you know, so highly recommend that. But my child, he's 14 years old and I've seen what my trauma did to him. And I found it out. Um, I was in the kitchen and that was a place where I would really be really ag- agitated. And I'm like, why when we're cooking together, am I just a, a freakazoid? And through this book, I realized it was my mother. It was like my mother in the kitchen was a traumatic place for me to be. Like I couldn't, I couldn't chop the parsley fine enough. I couldn't, you know, everything I did was wrong. And so I was transferring all of that. I was reenacting the trauma in the kitchen with my son. And the, the, the level of an epiphany that was for me to be able to just see it. And then like, start calming down and you know we're gradually working our way like we made ice cream we made mint ice cream the other day and it was perfect it was i mean for me it was trauma free a trauma free 
right. cooking. That's beautiful. I have a 14 year old daughter and I so understand. And my, my older kids, I have a 20, 26 year old will be 27 in a few days and a 24 year old. And so I, I just remember thinking I will never let happen to my children. What I went through, they will never go through what I went through. They'll never go through. And yet along the line, because I was just a mess truly and lost in my own chaos as I, as I've, since, you know, now that I can talk to them as adult men, um, and, and they completely understand, but I was so lost in my chaos that there was chaos created for them that I didn't know I was creating until I got to here, to this healing point. And then, then I was like, oh, now I see what I was doing. Yeah. Right. And you, like, it stops with me though. I mean, yes. you, and I know you didn't want to do it, but this is, this is subversive stuff in our bodies. We don't really know what we're doing and it's, but awareness is the first and most important part of what we can do is let people know they're traumatized. Just let, let them know what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like and how it presents in our, in our society. And that there's hope. I mean, exactly. that, That, that was our word that we talked about. Hope is just, it's critical. Absolutely. There's hope and there's healing um, and, and let's start now. Let's not, let's not postpone it. And, you know, meditation, it used to be like this woo woo thing, but now guess what? Right. It rewires your brain. Check it out. Like if the science says it's okay, let's go with what the science says. They say mindfulness, um, uh, meditation, tapping, um, anything like all those modalities and, you know, we're on the front lines, Terry, right. of changing this, this planet, literally. We're changing the planet. I'm excited about it. I, 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 just, I just think there's so much hope to be had in that I always thought we, if you went through trauma, you were quote unquote broken forever. Right and now to know that, yes, brain plasticity, and we can rewire the brain and those neuron pathways, and we can change habitual patterns, and we can do, so I want to come back to Ho'oponopono, and how did it work for, how, how did they relate to that when you were doing it? Um, you know, and it's interesting, because we've, we've removed it from our trauma circle, because there are people who are really triggered by their victims, and they don't want to, they don't want to forgive their victims. So to, to present it too much. So it's more, we, we, now we focus on the circle with just forgiving yourself and, you know, really bringing it into your own awareness. Um, But in that yard, see, I think that the power of the circle cannot be underestimated. And I think that's, that's what community is. And we created a community that day that, well, that is a community. It's an incredible that that honor yard where these men really vowed to to better themselves. That's what they're doing there. Um, but we create community and we heal together because healing does not happen in a vacuum healing. And when you see that, that was the power of that circle that day, they saw that all these other men had endured the same abuse and same horrors that they had. And we're, you know, like I said, more than four aces, more, you know, one ace, just watching your parents want to get divorced, the tension and the, um, the adversity in the household is really damaging to a little spirit. And the thing is that the little child can't tell the difference between himself and the parents, or he, he kind of absorbs the stress and the violence in his own body. And then of course 
the brain doesn't develop. The brain actually develops like incorrectly. There's less gray matter. There's the amygdala. I mean, not the amygdala, the, um, the microglia. There's a whole thing about the microglia. You know, we're literally with half a brain. We have literally have less, less, less neurons, less synapses. It's just not working. It's like a fog. And I'm starting, the fog is lifting right now. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. in, I, I know like dissociation and not even being a part of that was my, was my MO. I was seeing things from outside my body, um, particularly in the trauma um, and going back to that. So yes, I can only imagine um, what prisoners in living horrific everyday circumstances in horrible childhoods um, and the trauma that they are going through and the impact that it has on their brain. Yeah, and the mental illness. And the only way you can heal is if you feel safe. Yeah. And so we're talking, and, and I'm back to the correctional officers and the men and women in prison. Nobody feels safe in that institution. And guess what? When men and women go home to their families, they're bringing it all home with them. They're not going to feel safe at home either. And that's where there's a lot of domestic violence, a lot of addictions and suicide. So this is really, this is a real, and it's the, and the other part about it is correctional officers are the most demeaned and, and maligned um, occupation you can have pretty much. So it's, this has got to be fixed. I mean, from yeah. my perspective, I mean, and, um, and for the prisoners, I mean, we have, it's like our, this is our mental health institutions. So we're also subjecting officers that don't have the tools for these, these, these people who are extremely tra traumatized, you know, eight, nine, 10, I had three men who had 10 aces in my class and no four, because there was a new one who came in. I mean, so to have 10 aces, you have every, everything, you, basically the book is thrown at you. <laughs> the ACE book has been thrown at you and you know, there's no, there's no escaping. There's no escaping you're in a constant state of toxic stress. So I, I, but my compassion is for everyone. My compassion is for the policemen and the first responders, the correctional officers, for the men and women in prison, for, um, for the poor, poor children and a, adults who lived in those households of, of annihilation. We've been annihilated. Well, and you had also brought up the victims and the impact of, on them as well. And, you know, like me sitting here, um, the victim of, of horrible crimes. Yes. Yes. And yes, the, I mean, the poor victims of horrible crimes. Yes. And I don't mean to not say them in my list of, I was just thinking of jobs, Yeah, but, um, oh my gosh, the victims, they live, you know, we don't even understand. We, when we do our criminal justice uh, charade of a trial and, you know, the gavel, the victim doesn't even get to participate in this. You know, that's why I, I believe in restorative justice, where you sit in a circle where the harm has been committed and you talk to the man or woman who injured you and you say, why did you do that? What happened? What? Why? Right. And then you have a, and then you you make the request of what can you do to repair this harm what can you do 
so it changes it changes our whole um our whole universe because suddenly you're involved suddenly you understand he goes to prison let's say but you and him like you know you're connected you already said you feel connected to him on some level but that connection shifts now suddenly because you understand why he did this or you get you know you have a glimpse and that mystery's gone and then you know maybe there's a friendship somehow i mean honestly i don't i don't say that glibly there's a healing there because yeah because you guys are already i mean if you believe in karma this is karma in its you know exact point this is where karma meets and the next life you guys are going to be doing something again there's another dance to be had but imagine healing that in this lifetime yeah i love to think of it as you know we're all these these beings of light i i and the 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 brain the body the the things that happen to us the trauma that we carry but but when we can connect on that pure you know heart to heart light to light soul to soul whatever you, however you envision it um and i certainly feel connected with him um yeah on that light to light level because i now get it i now understand what uh he most likely had endured yes and in the same way when a baby is born there's a baby being that i know of being born today the world changes right we may not know it but subtly the world has shifted because we have a new soul in yeah. same when when someone dies the world it's just a slight shift but someone has died and we we know the vacuum is there you know it's like breaking up with a boyfriend or something you know there's just a vacuum in in your life um and so when you when you found out that that he died you know there was a vacuum because you had had that energy going towards him all your life on some level right there was some connection some energetic connection so i find it um i find your story really like deep like these are the deep deep um things we don't even talk about when a, yes. with a crime with a person who commits a crime and and a victim of a crime so yeah. this is like this is the magical part i feel <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's healing, the healing that's available and you know, you're such a warrior, such a healing warrior. I can feel that. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah, and and well, wanting to know about trauma, that's evidence of a healing warrior, you know. And and we're all healing warriors once we know. I mean, when I read that book, The Body Keeps the Score, oh. You know, right? It was like bang 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 bang. And it's like, <laughs> "Hello, this is me. I'm not, I'm not an insane lady. I am, I am just traumatized. I can be magnificent. Yeah. yeah. Which is, it was which is how, I think yeah. that was, that's one of my top, I talk about it when I give presentations and it's, it's one of my top books that I say was that life altering aha moment of, well, one, oh my gosh, I am not broken forever that this i can i can do the healing work necessary to yeah to fix this i mean what a gift he gave us thank you bessel thank you bessel right. and dr kolk <laughs> <laughs>
No, and but all the all the people working in this field, you know, Donna Nakazawa and Gabor Mate and all Bruce Perry, his yeah. book was blew me away. It's just the information is there and the healing possibilities are there. And I'm I just want everyone to know what they are and to dive in. And because I, you know, not all healing modalities are appropriate for any, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's a potpourri and it's selective. You've really got to find out what works for you. It's not, you know, it's not okay, tap today and, you know, meditate tomorrow. It's like one of the guys, he keeps writing me and I just wrote back to him. I was like, just meditate. And then he wrote back to me, he says, I can't even sit still for two, two seconds, you know, but he just sent me another letter and um, he says, I've been doing it three to five minutes. So That's I mean, fun. well, if you're, when you're in a prison and you're like this, he, he's been stabbed, he was stabbed. And so he was stabbed in prison. So how do you feel safe? How do you stop? How do you stop the mind? Yeah. And, and it's just, that's the thing. You just, even the person you live with, the set your celly, like, who is he? Is he going to attack me? You know, most yeah. guys, they sleep with the light on and they keep an eye out. They keep an eye open. I mean, you never really get enough rest in prison. Right. And that's one of the, the the mandates of of restoring your from trauma of healing from trauma is getting enough rest. Yeah. So we need to low lower the prison population so everybody can have their own room, and then turn the lights off so they can get some good rest. That's that's my first thing I want to make sure we get done. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes sense. I mean, truly. So what are you doing, doing follow-up studies and in, in seeing how, or have, how long has this project been going on and, it, and has it been, had enough longevity to see a, a serious impact? Okay. So actually today, September 18th is the first day I ever stepped foot in a prison this two years ago. So today's my anniversary of ah. my, when my life changed. Yeah. <laughs> We started the program, the pilot program, January 5th, 2019, and we made the film February 12th, 2020. So, you know, like we're like on a, on a rocket ship right now. Um, In the six months since the film has gone, we've, we've got over a hundred volunteers and we're, we're creating circles. The, The idea, because we can't go into prison right now, we're, we're doing circles in communities and for returning citizens so that they can start healing if, cause they, you know, and doing programs for them. And um, the, the biggest thing we're doing is hopefully with, with the governor's permission, we can make Delaware the first trauma informed prison system in the United States. And um, I'm working with the parole officer and trauma therapist in Delaware and um, see, Delaware has only 3,400 incarcerated men and women. That's one prison in California. Okay. So yeah. this is, we can, this is, a, it's still a mouthful, but we can, we can chew this. We can get this. We can, we can do this. And my vision, we, let's do this in six months. And then, and then we just roll it out to the rest of the United States. So trauma-informed prisons means everyone in prison knows that they're, the potential for triggers. You ask the question, what happened instead of what's wrong with you? 
and you really do, you say, oh my God, this kid, this kid is just, he's whacked out because that's what you do when you're traumatized. You, you yell and you scream and you go out of your mind. You go out of your mind. The mind is not available. The brain is not available. So when that happens, instead of sending him to the shoe for two years or three years and truly damaging him, you know, we calm him down. We put him in a cell by himself, probably just, but a cell, not a, not the shoe, not solitary confinement. And, and we ask what's going on. Like what happened? And then you find out his mother just died or you find out, you know, he hasn't eaten in two days, you know, or whatever it is. Some, there's, there's a, there's a root, there's a root cause for all of his behavior. Yeah. We've got to get to the root now. Yeah. I mean, you see that a lot on, uh, well, I have a lot of connections on LinkedIn in the mental health arena, and it, it, there's a lot of the memes and the quotes that are out there about when a child's behavior, um, you know, it's not that they're, they're a bad little kid, it's, it's they're, they're trying to say something, and it's, a, and it's along the same lines here. It's that almost in that child's mentality, because their brains never, with the trauma that they endured, um, never really learn to communicate those emotions and those feelings and how to process it. Exactly. Honestly, in my class with the men, I felt like I was with a bunch of like 12 year olds, 12, yeah. 13 year olds. Yeah. That's their emotionality. And that's their level of, of, you know, of emotions. They're playful. They're joyful. We do some crazy exercises, like a thing called crazy aids where they get to be goofy or, um, you know, peel the banana. We did at camp, like camp songs, crazy camp songs. They never had that when they were children. They never went to camp. You know, they barely, you know, they barely went to a playground. So just even letting them play for a little bit, you know, let's bring some joy. Let's bring some joy because remember what you do to other people, you do to yourself. So if you commit a crime, the person you've injured, you've injured yourself. And that old saying, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Well, guess what? It is. And it's, it's no lie. And the trauma you inflict is the trauma you inflict in yourself. So this is, you know, this is a cycle. It's a cycle of abuse. And, you know, we see it in our police departments, you know, they're traumatized and they're trigger, they're trigger happy because they're traumatized. I'm not going to, and that's why I say no shame, no shame to anybody for being traumatized but we need to get help and we need to be aware what we're doing and first responders policemen criminals people make committing crimes traumatized okay so let's get help and let's stop the shenanigans as i like to say um i mean yeah you know we can have a beautiful community and society Oh. That isn't, that isn't on full alert all the time, you know, and numbing and addicted, you know, I ha- how many years did I have a glass of wine at five o'clock? How many years I've stopped? I'm not drinking. I'm still drinking coffee. I still got some, but <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> but the wine, the wine is not required anymore, which is, yeah. you know, and it, it, it is like, it's fine. You know, it's fine. And but it's, there's something that I wasn't, didn't want to feel. I didn't want to feel that exhaustion that, that I've worked, that I had worked already 13 hours. So I wanted to just, ah, uh, it was the only way I could stop myself from working. So, you know, 
I'm going to stop at five today. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So anything that we didn't tap upon yet that you would like to like to talk about? Um, just that we're all magnificent, really seriously. And that's every criminal and every, even, you know, your neighbor that drives you crazy and you know, the person that can't smile that was a little baby once that was a beautiful little baby once. And that's who we are. And when we find our innocence and welcome our innocence, that's what we can create. So. Yes. You know. I love that. And that's a, my very first presentation that I ever gave it. It was actually at the national crime victims rights awareness week, downtown Cincinnati and standing in front of this group, the mayor was there and TV news crews. And, and one of the things I said was we're both, you know, James Mills and I were both born these innocent little creatures and these, these little babies, but somewhere along the, the way he chose the road. And that's how I used to look at it. But now I think maybe chose the road isn't the right. I mean, yes, he made choices. However, mm. I think he was directed down this road by by trauma is was what at least i think most likely happened yes yes it's the choice word is an interesting word and that's that's the one i'm going to be challenging down on, while i'm on this path because he didn't see any other way so it was more like like he was funneled he was yeah. lit, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. funneled that's great i love it that's it Yes, that that it was like, well, here's where you're going. (laughs) Yeah. Well, trauma, trauma funnels you down that path because trauma doesn't, first off, Gabor says, Gabor Mate says, trauma creates separation. So it makes you think that you're not in this with anybody, that you're on your own, that you are by yourself. And which is a lie, if you really want to understand it, like, when we really get connected and we know that we are in a global family and there are, there is support out there, but you, we don't, how do you find it? How do you find it? So, um, so when you feel like you're separate and you're alone, you don't, you don't know how to ask for help and down the road you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to play devil's advocate a little bit, but, but I'm going to come around back on it is, you know, I had a super high ACE score and I was funneled down that trauma road as well. Mm. However, here's my however, I have a high resilience score because yeah. I had those caring adults in place. My grandma, Kitty, my best friend's parents, uh, you know, so I had people that were, that believed in me and loved me uh, without hurting me and so forth. So that's, that's the difference where that split happened. That's where the funnel happens right there. Yeah. It's that one person or that community that embraces you and says, wait a sec, this isn't okay. And, and that's what I'm here to say is wait a second. This isn't okay. Let's, yeah. let's change this. Beautiful. Well, again, I just, I find it all just incredibly beautiful and fascinating. And um, had, had we had this conversation 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been like this because this was, yeah, I, I didn't understand the impact of trauma. I knew it, the impact of trauma on myself. 
it just never thought about what it what had happened to you know this uh this criminal um this incarcerated person who had had at the time i thought destroyed my life well he had i mean we got we can say that for sure for sure and and yet you found your your resilience score helped you bounce back and your great spirit and your you know your big heart so i'm so I'm so happy for you. Sorry about my dog. Oh, that's okay. My dog's laying right here. She'll, she'll probably like pop her head up like, hey, what's happening? <laughs> well, oh. I just thank you for the work you're doing. I just think it's an incredibly beautiful gift um, to the world, really, to all of us, um, the people you're working with in the, in the prison systems, but those of us, um, you know, who are learning from it. Thank you so much, Terry. I really appreciate this time and really getting to know your story because that's really an important piece in this whole evolution of trauma-informed prisons, trauma-informed criminal justice system, and a trauma-informed society, which is really where we're headed. And thank you for being on the front lines with me. We're going to change this. Yeah, thank you. that's what we're well, going to do. People, how do people get a hold of you? Compassionprisonproject.org. And please take the ACE quiz. We have it there. So you can, and you can see our extended quiz, which has 10 more questions, including homelessness, foster care, other like annihilating factors of childhood. And, um, you know, volunteer if you want, donate if that moves you and just, you know, trauma. Let's, let's figure out how we're going to get through this together because that's, that's how we're going to do it. Wonderful. That was my last question was, you know, can people donate to help to help you continue the cause. So awesome. Absolutely. We needed our crew. We're, we're, we're expanding like, like the wildfires in California. (laughs) Yeah. We're on fire over here. So wonderful. All right. Well, thank you again for your work and um, yeah, it was wonderful to meet you. Same here, Terry. Thank you again. It's been great. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Healing Place podcast. One little note that I just wanted to throw out is right before I I came on to record this interview, uh, I received an email from Amazon Music that the Healing Place podcast has now been added to uh, Amazon Music, which is very exciting news. So downloaded in 73 countries, which I also recently found out. So yeah, it's exciting stuff. So there you go. All right. Well, everyone, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.